Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 welcome to the stay classy san diego show on the answer san diego this program is dedicated to keeping you informed and engaged with the latest news and trending events in the san diego region join us on a weekly exploration as we sit down with prominent political figures insightful analysts industry professionals and influential community members now here's your host steve wire Welcome back, everyone, uh, for another episode of Stay Classy San Diego. So glad to have you all listen to the show today. Um, today we're doing something a little bit different. Um, we are bringing in um, my sister, Molly Wire, um, who is an author, and she's here to promote her most recent novel, which we're going to talk about in a second. But a quick intro is Molly studied creative writing at Royal Holloway College, University of London. She's written and edited for a variety of nonprofit organizations and lives in San Luis Obispo, California. Um, today we're here to talk about her book, California. Did I say it right? Uh, yeah, there's a, it's, it's French, right? It's, uh, <laughs> it's yeah, French. So, so second novel, first was After the Storm, um, and then the, you finished this book in 2022, 2023? Uh, uh, yeah, we were wrapping it up the beginning okay. of this year. So. Yeah, beginning of this year. Um, and now you're, you're here to promote the book. Um, you have a book launch coming up yes. later this month, correct? Yes. When yeah. is that? It's October 21st. 21st, um, okay. Yeah. And is that Bird Rock, right? Bird Rock Coffee yeah, Bird Roasters Rock. in Bird Rock, yeah. Yeah, my favorite so. coffee shop. So... <laughs> Um, great spot. Um, we're happy to talk about the book today. First of all, um, without spoiling the contents of the book, because we want everybody to read it, obviously, that's why we're here. But can you tell us a little bit in detail in terms of sort of what the book's about? Like, what's the setting? Like, what should people expect when they when they open this thing up? Like, uh, sort of thematic stuff, characters, that sort of thing. Like, talk about that. Uh, yeah, so it's about three different generations of women growing up in California, in kind of like the 1920s, the 40s and 50s, and then around the kind of 70s. So I guess, yeah, you could say exploring different locations in California, including La Jolla. So the one, the middle section is set in kind of 40s, 50s La Jolla. Um, and then, uh, yeah, what does it mean to be a woman? How has that kind of evolved over Time, at least sure. that's the idea. <laughs> so in terms of the sort of how this book came about, I mean, um, obviously I know that, you know, you, you were in Europe for some time. You moved back to California. Um, before that, you're on the East Coast. Like sort of what was the point where you thought about writing this book? Like what was sort of the, the original inspiration and sort of the, the places and, and, and things that sort of brought this about? Um, well, I think – I think that maybe the first kind of ideas for it started forming in like sometime in 2020. Um, but the funny thing great is, year. yeah, great. Um, the funny thing is that I uh, was actually starting out to maybe write a nonfiction book. My writing mentor, who's also my publisher, uh, Chip Martin, he uh, lives in London, but he had been encouraging me to write sort of a family history about some of our dad's side of the family who grew up in kind of Pasadena and Pasadena and La Jolla. Um, so I started reading, we had a lot of letters that my parents found after our grandmother passed away and letters between her and her mother, between her and her, our grandfather during world war II. Um, and then there were sort of like a journal she kept when she was a child and all, all different kinds of memorabilia and, Tons and tons of photographs of people. Sometimes they you didn't know who they were. Anyway, so I started looking into that. Um, but then I think I just, I got kind of, my imagination got captured. And I, I lo- love the freedom of writing fiction because you don't have to stick so closely to the facts. So originally you were going for a nonfiction book and then a sort of imagination took hold. You ran with it, mm-hmm. went to nonfiction. Went to fiction, yeah. Okay, or yeah. Went, to, went to fiction, right. excuse me. Um, and you took it from there. But it seems like from reading the book um, that some of it is based, obviously it's based in actual places, real places, and some of it seems based on events and uh, settings in your own life. So how much of the book would you say is actually sort of inspired by true events or, you know, true, 
like settings, I guess. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That's hard to say. I mean, yeah, like the first couple characters are inspired by like our great grandmother and our grandmother loosely, but you know, you obviously you have to take creative license in order to make it into a story, and sure. so they didn't end up being totally true to the char- to our ac- actual relatives. But sure. um, I suppose, yeah, with the third character, some of the elements like the time in Cambridge sort of was inspired by my own time living in Cambridge, even though I never studied there. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's all sort of interwoven. So maybe like 50, 50 or something. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because your first book after the storm um, was also loosely based on some true events, correct? Yes, yeah. And that was based upon, that was basically a sailing story. It's about, um, you know, it's about, you know, being on a boat and, you know, in the open ocean and, um, which I love because I, I love to sail. But obviously, like, um, it, and it's not, you know, the, the names are different, you know, certain things are different. But um, what would you say in terms of the similarity to the first book, between the first and second book, like sort of similar themes or like inspiration, or are they just two kind of totally distinct um, works? Um, that's, I guess it's sort of hard for me to say. I Yeah, the first book was inspired loosely by some stories that are, Dad and uncles told us about sailing when they were in their twenties around you know the coast of Baja and into the Sea of Cortez and and then a little bit by my own experiences going back. I think it was a trip you and I actually took together down to Baja with our dad to visit our uncle yeah, and seen seen some places that I hadn't been to since I was a kid. It kind of gave me some inspiration, but sure. um, I don't know. Yeah, how similar are they? I mean, I guess obviously they're both. A lot, some of it's set in California, inspired by places that I'm familiar with and love. Um, it seems like the big difference, though, is that the first book is written from a man's perspective, while the second book is written strictly from a woman's perspective. Yes. Was it was it easier writing the second book for that reason, or that not really? Did you not even think about that? I mean, I think I didn't find the book first book hard to write, but I think when I did write the second one, it was a little bit did feel a little bit more like ah, okay. Sure. It's maybe a little bit more intuitive. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so having read the book, like obviously, you know, there's follows three different women, um, three different settings, three different time periods. And uh, but there's a lot of similarities between these women, obviously, um, and sort of the way that they engage with the people around them, the way they engage with um, their family, with, you know, the, um, the, the men in their life, with uh, with just in terms of societal standards at the time. So what do you would you say again without spoiling the book but like what would you say in terms of what this book has to say about what it's like to be a woman in America and California like during these different time periods and how that evolves over the course of time with three different characters like what is this book sort of speaking about um, women in these in these settings oh, That's a good question I mean I think obviously I didn't grow up in the 20s or the 40s, but I can imagine, I guess, I, yeah, imagined how it might have, the structures might have been different, you know, expectations around women are, have kind of changed and slowly are continuing to evolve into something where there aren't such different expectations about women versus about men, but. Um, Is that kind of like a gradual build, like, you know, in the 20s with, with the the first character, um, the first character, Ada, is that yes, her yeah. name? Ada, um, is she so she's she's the one in the twenties and like sort of from her perspective onwards, does it uh, do you sort of try to reflect the changing standards and expectations for for women, um, sort of in the course of those three characters? Like she's kind of you know the twenties girl and then you know you move forward, fast forward thirty forty years, fast forward another thirty forty years. Like is that sort of what you're going for? Or yeah, I mean I don't know if it was. I mean I think maybe that was a little bit semi-conscious you know like she doesn't have maybe quite as much of a choice in like the person that she's marrying whereas the gene the middle character she kind of is able to marry for love um i think i was also just thinking about different roles women have or different experiences women have regardless of where they are in time so like the first character gets a divorce at a time when divorce was not considered a thing that you were was it really an option um the second character you know has more of a traditional marriage and family experience and then the third character kind of does things out of order and is dealing with kind of the shame of that and the guilt of not doing living up to expectations and um so i think it was yeah somewhat thinking about how they they would be experiencing 
life and their time. And then also just thinking about what are different ways of like being a spouse, being a mother that you can kind of explore through these different characters. Sure. Um, what would you say that this, I mean, cause this, this book, uh, these three different women, they all have a significant other in some way, shape, or form. Uh, what does this book have to say sort of about the, the evolving relationship in society over the past, you know, 100 years or so in terms of the relations between men and women? You already kind of touched on it in terms of, you know, now we're at a point where those roles aren't as different as they used to be. Um, but in terms of the evolving relationship um, and respective status of, like, men and women, like, does this book have, like, something to say about that? I mean, I think, yeah, maybe just tangentially, like I was thinking again about the uh, first character, Ida. You know, she has a brief experience where there's one of her father's business associates that just kind of, you know, kind of touches her inappropriately. And she's, you know, shocked, but she also sort of feels powerless. And I think there's nothing nothing she can do. Yeah. And I mean, on the one hand, that's something that I think was probably more accepted back then as something that men were sort of allowed to do. And nowadays, I would say it's obviously generally not acceptable. Yeah, you get me too. Yes, but it's still, I mean, I would say I don't know if I have a friend that could say that hasn't happened to her in some form or other, you know, a female friend. Um, Pretty much, I think most women have, even if it's a very minor experience, something that was like unwanted by members of the opposite sex. But at the same time, I mean, obviously, I will say I have tons of, great male friends and relatives that are would never dream of doing something like that. So Sure. Well, I feel like the difference is now it's it gets called out. Like, it still happens, but now it gets called out in a way that it never used to be. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's true. So um, on that note, um, another theme in the book seems to be, I mean, marriage and sort of, like, relationships, obviously. Um, but also, like, it's interesting. Like, with the first character especially, she sort of feels this self-consciousness and almost shame towards sexuality and, like, the idea of sex, the idea of uh, you know, relationship with another man, and um, that sort of like evolves over time. And obviously, the third character is you know completely different. And, you know, she's she's doing her own thing. Like, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it, but she's uh, sort of not held to those same standards. So, what does this book really speak to people in terms of um, you know ideas of sexuality, marriage, and sort of, I mean, really like over the course of that that century that the book covers, you know, you have like the sexual revolution, the 60s and 70s. Um, is that like sort of that sort of play into how you were thinking about writing these characters and sort of like how that that century evolved, like with terms of attitudes towards sex and marriage and that kind of thing? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to give myself too much credit. I think sometimes these things are in your subconscious. I also will say that having Chip as my mentor, he was would kind of read drafts of my work and kind of sometimes suggest like, you know, not like tell me what to write, but just kind of be like, okay, look at this character and have ideas of how to like shape, shape things as I'm going. So honestly, I'm not sure if I was thinking specifically like, oh, the sexual revolution and all of that, but um, yeah, more kind of just wanting to explore different ways that women, yeah, maybe in different time periods might've thought about these things. And um, yeah, Um, let's talk about, um, you, you mentioned your mentor, like, let's talk about like sort of the influences that contributed to this work. So um, I mean, number one, there were a lot of literary influences, I'm sure, that built that were built into writing this book. Um, I mean, you can just see from reading it that you have quotes from D.H. Lawrence, Joy Davidman, Alexander Pope, et cetera. Um, so talk a little bit about the literary influences and sort of, you know, every author is different. You're your own author, but um, sort of what um, kind of works you modeled this book after. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it is hard to say exactly, but like you said, I was thinking – kind of this morning about all the different poetry I enjoy reading. And even though I don't think, I mean, I pull some of it into the book and, but even I feel like the, when I don't directly quote it, it just sort of feeds into your imagination, into the love I have for words and um, kind of provides inspiration. So sometimes I'll try to like read, um, like I don't remember if I quote Seamus Haney in the the book or not, but um, I think I had a, collection of his poetry that I was kind of trying to read maybe just like a poem before I'd start writing. Sometimes it's a good way to procrastinate on writing also. So, <laughs> reading uh, writing, yeah. yeah, but I mean, I think broadly some of the influences that I at least aspire to, I don't know that um, I could say they directly affected this book, but I love Hemingway, 
I, we were talking last night about how much I, I love a movable feast. One of his his kind of later works, so sort of a semi autobiographical about when he was a young writer. Um, but yeah, I really admire his writing because it's it feels very spare, but at the same time, he's very evocative, and you really feel like you're in the place, and he's able to convey big emotions without being too flowery. Which sometimes, if I'm not, get carried away, I have a lot of adjectives and adverbs and. My mentor is usually the one that's like, okay, you need to calm down, keep the sentences down, you know, kind of trim them down to the essentials. Um, So I admire that in him. And then I like Flannery O'Connor. She, um, I don't know if you've read any of her Mm -hmm. books and short stories, but she's just got a really kind of a vivid imagination. And um, as a person of faith, I admire that she kind of works her faith into her writing, but kind of in unexpected ways. And she's kind of in a way looks to like shock her reader um, which I don't know. I could. I don't know if I would say mine. My book is shocking in the senses that hers are. But um, I also love Jane Austen. I don't know. Um, I've kind of grew up on Pride and Prejudice and those kinds of books. Um, I was a big fan as a child of Anne of Green Gables, um, and that main character. I think she's maybe that was one of the first books that really kind of wax very lyrical about like places and surroundings. And I think that's something that you do see in my, my work is I really like to write about the places that I love and mm-hmm. try to capture them so that people can feel like they're there. So I don't Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Hemingway. It's interesting because he does evoke lots of emotions, but his style is um, somewhat straightforward, mm-hmm. sort of blunt. He doesn't say more than he needs to say, but still conveys a lot of emotions. I mean, obviously, um, Barrel to Arms, um, and then you have uh, the uh, um, the book you just mentioned, Movable Feast. Yes. Um, and so uh, your style, I've noticed, is in this book at least, is there's not a ton of dialogue, yeah. but it's very introspective. It's very reflective. You see what's exactly what's going through a character's mind. Um, like, where did that come from? Is that sort of just how you think, or is were you trying to like say something about about the these characters, like in the course of like sort of limiting the dialogue, but making it more introspective, more more reflective on the part of the, the main character. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess I would say I probably even somewhat unconsciously made it in a in a way reflect the way that I think. So yeah, I guess I do have a kind of a constant inner monologue, you know, thinking about seeing things, observing things, and then kind of processing them. And I like to think about big ideas and stuff. And so I guess this was a way to, to do that. And, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I do also find dialogue very challenging. So (laughs) I don't know if that's one way to, one reason to kind of limit it, but, um, yeah, I like, I do like having that kind of close third person writing where you're in somebody's head, but you're not writing from an eye perspective, you know, so learning how to get as close as you can and try to, make everything be from their point of view is kind of an interesting challenge because you have to think think through like, okay, what would they know and what would they be able to perceive of another person without you becoming an omniscient narrator and saying, this is exactly how the other person felt. You know, you kind of have to have present it through that character's eyes. Like how did they mm-hmm. see Stephen feeling on a particular day or something, you know what I mean? Rather sure. than in the older style where you would kind of have the, the author knows all kind of, you know, the narrator would kind of know everything, I think, more so. Sure. Um, now let's talk about in terms of like, so you mentioned earlier your your mentor and publisher. Uh, what mentors like generally played a role in your development as an author um, over the course of, you know, not just college, but after college and in your years in Europe and up to up to now, like sort of talk about the the roles that mentors, different mentors played in, in your life in terms of um, your literary influence. I mean, that's a big question, but I think, yeah, I'm, I guess I have to say my our parents were the first ones that uh, encouraged me to write as a, I don't know, how, I don't remember how old I was, but I remember I wrote a little poem and gave it to my mom and uh our mom, I should say, and uh, she was like very encouraging, even though I'm sure it wasn't a good poem. <laughs> and uh, so I think that kind of I got excited, and I was like, "Oh, I can! I'm a writer. I can do this," you know. And yeah. so all through my growing up years, I enjoyed writing. I didn't really wasn't very good at finishing things, but I loved starting off with new ideas, and it sort of felt like 
kind of like play because you're kind of imagining things. And usually I was the heroine in my head kind of doing all these things. So that was just fun as a kid. And then um, at college I studied literature, but I think, yeah, some of the professors there, like this one professor, Dr. Libby, who's she's since passed away, but she was a really just um, positive influence and then like very encouraging about my writing. Is she um, the one that made you read Moby Dick? She's, I don't think it was her, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember having listened to that in the car. I know, uh, that, was, yeah, that, was, that was, I kept falling awful. asleep. Yeah, yeah, it was, people defend it to me, but I just still don't quite understand the fascination there, so. Maybe I'll reread it something and get it and be like, oh, this is a great book. Yeah. I've done that before. But, uh, and then after after that, who else? Like anybody else? Or? I mean, I think, so in our creative writing program that I did in London about 10 years ago, which is hard to believe, um, I mean, I'd say this man that taught us our first kind of semester quarter, Joe Treasure, um, who I think he's an author as well as sometimes teaching creative writing. He was a real uh, a gem, and he often would come to the pub with us after our classes on Monday nights. We'd all go sit around and drink pints and talk about writing and literature and kind of everything, you know. Um, so he, I felt like he really was very invested in us as students and, um, yeah, just kind of really enjoyed writing and reading. Sounds like a bit of a Hemingway himself. The yeah, I guess. I, yeah, you know, to be honest. Crushing drinks at the bar. And- <laughs> but he was, like, at the same time a very, like, proper, like, prim kind of English older Kept man. Kept classy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then – and then I – a couple of the friends that I made through that program, my friend Jamie Michaels, who's up in Canada now doing a PhD, in, I think in creative writing or literature, I forget. Uh, he wrote a graphic novel, right? Yes, he's published, I think, a couple graphic novels. Um, and then another friend, Bonnie. Um, I think some of the friendships through that program were also very formative. And um, we occasionally would still reach out and ask each other to read works post um, after the program. Um but then obviously, yeah, I have to say uh, Chip Martin, who I met about 11 or 12 years ago in London through, he's, um, he went Friend to high school, right. yeah, with our dad for about a year down here, actually in La Jolla. Um, Country day. Yeah. And so they, a mutual friend kind of said, oh, if Molly's in London, she should look up Chip. And so we met up and went for a walk around Hampstead Heath and kind of that began our sort of friendship mentorship. And he's been... Uh, yeah, very positive, encouraging, but also had some really good insights and probably wouldn't have finished either book without him kind of following up and egging me on. So that was, that's been really Bit great. Bit of an accountability partner. For sure. Yeah. And yeah, he's a lot, a lot of wisdom to share. So yeah, we all need that sometimes. I feel like when you, uh, you have a dream initially, you have that motivation. And then when it like sort of lags, you know, you need someone there to, to yeah. catch up, remind you this, Okay, this is the vision. This is the dream. This is, this is the goal. <laughs> it's worth it. You got to keep pushing. Yeah, when you get to um, the boring parts, like yeah, editing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can only imagine that. Uh, so, yeah, one thing I will say still in that kind of vein is now I meet up with a couple friends. Um, we try to do a monthly, so sometimes it's every other month, sometimes it's more often. And we'll have a little writing workshop. So we take turns sharing our work, and then we'll usually be reading a book about writing also and kind of discuss that. and. That's been really nice, too, because sometimes we can meet up and write together, and it's just another way to help you stay off of your phone and stay focused on what you're doing, or at least a little bit better focused. Sure. Yeah. Now, one thing that I always ask people who come on here, whether it's like athletes, influencers, whatever it is, is like sort of how they find their creative space, how they find like room to to do what they do. Um, You know, as you said, you know, it's it's not always fun. It's not always exciting, but you got to find a a place to be creative. You got to find a place to, to, to be disciplined, to work. What would you say in terms of like your discipline as a writer? Obviously, you've written two books uh, and you're you're working on more, correct? Yes. Um, so I mean, it's uh, it's a really really hard thing to write a book. Like how uh, how do you find like sort of that creative space that um, that dedication to, to do that day by day? Like how do you take time out of your day to do that? Like and sort of what uh yeah what keeps you consistent? What keeps you accountable? Well. I mean, yeah, I'm not always as consistent as I could wish. Um, but I do think for sure, like, my mentor and also, yeah, my writing group, those kinds of things where you know other people are going to ask you how it's going, that's really helpful to keep me honest and keep me going. Um, 
I, yeah, I, I wish I had the sort of Hemingway start at five in the morning and write for four hours kind of thing down, but I don't yet. I you often wake up at five. <laughs> no, not usually. <laughs> I uh, often I like to end up writing in the kind of in the mid afternoon with like a cup of tea and um, which can be nice, but it is it is hard to kind of carve out that space and be like, no, this is my time and I'm not gonna do all the other things that I need to do right now. I'm gonna focus on this. So that's still a challenge for me, but I mean. One thing that helps me to feel a little bit more connected to my writing and to stay a little more focused is I write by hand. So I write in like this little notebook or wow. a similar one. You know, I write write everything longhand and then I type it up. And I mean, obviously it gets edited and sometimes I add things in on the computer. But is I, that because you don't want to be distracted by social media and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, it worked a little better. Like, our brother suggested it to me years ago, but it worked a little better before I think I had, like, Facebook on my phone and stuff. But it still is, like, I think now I like it for other reasons because I do, like I said, feel a little bit more connected to the words when I'm writing by hand. And then it is sort of an initial automatic edit. As soon as you're typing it up, you realize, oh, I spelled that wrong. Oh, I want to change this word here. You know, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I do like that. That helps me a little bit. And, I mean, I think to stay inspired, I think it's great to get out outside in nature. I love, you know, going backpacking to Big Sur or um, just, you know, enjoying you a nice autumn day. Do you go to places? Like, do you, when, if you, like, take a trip or a backpacking trip, you take your notebook and, and write? I did bring a little notebook that got very squashed on the John Muir Trail that I did with my fiancé this summer. Um, and the first four days, I think I didn't write anything in it cause I was just too tired. Uh, but then I started just kind of jotting down like a little bit about like, we went from here to here and this thing happened and I don't know if I'll ever turn it into anything more than that. But, uh, I just wanted to kind of keep a record of what we did. Um, so sometimes I try to do that. I don't always like write, I don't journal every day or anything. I, I'd like to do more of that cause I think it's, it's good for you and it's good for your writing practice, but. Here's a question I have. If, if you write, if you, so you're an author and you're writing presumably every day or almost every day, um, at this point in your life, I mean, you've been writing for, let's say, you know, 20, 30 years. Um, you, is writing like still fun for you in the sense that like, or, or is it more feel like this is like who I am, this is my work, or is it still fun for you? And how do you like keep, keep it fun? Um, I would say often it is fun. Like, the, well, the writing itself, I think the hardest part is some the mental block to get yourself to sit down and write because somehow it's still, when you think about it, it's like, oh, I need to write. And th- then it feels like a chore. But once you actually get into it, it sort of feels like it's like kind of like play again. It's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I don't like at all is editing, but that sort of has to happen. <laughs> it's part of the bundle, you know, with it writing. And, tedious, yeah, yeah it, that's the part where you go back and you're like, okay, this sentence doesn't work or this section needs to be moved somewhere else or I need to flush this character out. And that part I'm not, I don't particularly enjoy. Um, but I, I think it's totally worth it, obviously, for the finished product. It, you want to have the best version of your story in print for people to read, so... That is a motivation, but I definitely you start to run out of gas in that section of the work. Sure. <laughs> so I noticed that this book, uh, Californian, mm-hmm. I'm going to butcher it one of these times. I but mean, to be honest, I don't speak French either. So, what's <laughs> <laughs> Calif- you go with the title then? Has <laughs> actually, I have to say, Chip, it's Californian is means California woman. Okay. So that was sort of the idea. Is like it's a one word, but it encapsulates sort of like the idea of the is book. Is that like a real word in the dictionary? Or is it like, yeah, yeah. If, oh, in the French dictionary, I oh, think. Okay, okay. But I apologize to French speakers for my pronunciation. <laughs> um, for all our French listeners, yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you, basically, um, you know, this book is dedicated to your grandmother, our, our grandmother. Yes. Uh, why is that? Like sort of like t- tell us a little bit about how that came about, how her life and story influenced your writing. Oh, that's a, a big question. But, yeah, I think, I mean, I – yeah, I mean, I think growing up, I remember coming down here and, you know, spending time with Grammy Pooh, as we called her, Ellis, you know, Wire. And um, she was always, yeah, very loving, I think a little bit reserved. And so I think she always had a little bit of an air of mystery to me. Um, but she was very, she loved words. She loved Scrabble. She was, you know, internationally or nationally ranked, I forget, Scrabble mm-hmm. player in into, I think, her 80s maybe. Um, 
And yeah, I feel like she was just always a very positive presence in our lives. And um, I loved, loved to travel, you know, and I think maybe that kind of inspired me and in thinking about wanting to go see the world. And um, then, you know, as I said, after she passed away, um, mom and dad found a lot of her letters and including, yeah, a diary of when she traveled around the world as like a, I think she maybe was 10 or 12 with her grandparents. And she kept notes about the places that they saw and a lot of notes about the, the, the games that they got to play on the ship. <laughs> it seemed like she was maybe more interested in that, but it was fun to get sort of a glimpse into the, like that person that I never, that version of her that I, you know, never, we obviously never met. Um, and then, yeah, letters to or from her parents, um, which were interesting because, yeah, I've never met either of her parents and they had kind of a little bit of a fraught relationship, I think, um, or at least complicated, I should say, relationship. Um, and then a bunch of letters between her and her fiancé and then husband, our grandfather, during World War II. And so, yeah, I think it was just interesting and exciting to see a whole different side of her, you know, imagining her as being somebody my age or younger even and, like, the life that she had. It, it seemed very, you know, glamorous. And they talked about going to – she talked about going to – to hear the Nat King Cole trio or the King Cole trio, a bunch yeah. of Grandpa, Grandpa Ralph. And um, so, yeah, it was just very interesting to see a whole different side of her. And yeah, I, I guess, yeah, I just dedicated to her because I, you know, I think we all loved her very much and she was a really wonderful woman. So. Yeah. I mean, did her, you mentioned she had sort of a fraught relationship with her own, with her own parents, with her own family. Like did that or her relationship with, um, you know, her, um, to be husband, our, our grandfather. Um, did any of those relationships or connections sort of influence um, some of the the, uh, the relationships in, in this book? Yeah, definitely. I think the her relationship with her mother, um, I'm, I'm spacing on her name right now, but our, our great-grandmother, yeah. um, she that was um, a complicated relationship, and our grandmother ended up growing up with her, her grandparents, because her mother, well, I don't know what the, I don't know all the reasons, but they, her her mother did get divorced when, in a time when it wasn't very common and she didn't end up raising her own children. So I think I was trying to think about it from a different perspective than our perspective, which is that she kind of left her children behind and imagining what would it have been like for her. And then I kind of, you know, obviously took it off in a different direction and just imagined a woman that I probably isn't that close to our great-grandmother. But, sure. yeah, that definitely had an an influence or kind of, like, inspired some of that. So, in a way, our great-grandmother sort of influenced Ada's character. Yes, definitely, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, and then uh, the uh, the letters she wrote to our, our grandfather, like, how did how did those play into your writing? Did those play into sort of the any of the characters, like, sort of the way they viewed men, romantic relationships, that sort of thing? Because those were some very well-written letters, as I recall. Yeah, and, they were. And uh, there was plays, a lot yeah. of... There was a lot of uh, literary meat in there, mm-hmm. I think, that you probably could have chosen to work into the story if you did. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I actually, I think I, I wanted to quote our grandfather's letters a couple, a couple of times because he was so articulate and wrote so well. Um, but I think, yeah, some of his kind of reflections on war, I think, maybe influenced, were kind of bled into the book a little bit because he was uh, over in kind of the Pacific arena in World War II and saw a lot of pretty terrible things. Um, and yeah, he did write some really beautiful, like love letters to her. Um, I didn't quote them directly and I don't know that I would say they necessarily influenced the book per se, but I did, I did, um, really enjoy reading them. And I think maybe someday I will write the nonfiction version of the family history and people will get to read a little bit of that. But Looking forward to that. Speaking of which, what else, um, other than promoting, this book, what else are you working on right now, writing-wise? Um, do you have a specific book already outlined? You're like, yes, this is the, the book, or are you playing with different ideas, or what's next? Yes, yeah, so I am, I've started writing um, a murder mystery, which uh-huh. I, I've always loved reading those. I loved Agatha Christie, and when I was yeah. younger, like Nancy Drew and Sherlock Holmes. and mm-hmm. um, So I've always kind of, I think, aspired to write one of those, but I don't, I would, I'm not really an outliner when it comes to books. I would like to be, and I always try to be, and I've made myself 
you know, kind of little visual diagrams and stuff, but I, I, it's really not how my brain works. So I have as many notes as I can make. And I think I know who's going to die, but I don't know who the killer is yet. And I, (laughs) so I have a long, a lot of work to do still. So, but that it is, this one has been really fun so far to write. So hopefully it, when it eventually gets finished, it'll be fun to read too. There you go. We're looking forward to that. Um, now another thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, in terms of, um, this book and, you know, you're, you're promoting right now, you, you know, you have the book launch coming up, but, um, sort of, uh, yeah. Can you sort of like sell people in terms of like the sort of, yeah, just, I guess like what sort of to look forward to in the book in terms of like, uh, again, without spoiling it, but just in terms of like, um, we, we've already talked about some of the themes and some of the characters, but, um, just sort of the, the main um, points for you that sort of the, the captivation of the book, as it were, sort of like, um, you know, the, the hook to it, I guess. I mean, I think I'd say it's sort of a love letter to California and yeah. some of the, you know, beautiful scenery that we're privileged to live around. Um, so that's definitely one one big element and theme of it. Um, it's just sort of the different places, you know, the Central Coast and up to Big Sur and then Pasadena. Sorry, I keep saying that wrong. Pasadena and then La Jolla, you know. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's one big big theme. And then, I, yeah, maybe a little bit the literary influences. There is, you know, there are references to a lot of different authors and poems and things that I've loved reading myself. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, that's not a very good answer. Uh, no, it's fine. I, I think uh, one other thing I wanted to, to mention is, um, you know, for people listening to this who – you know, maybe I've sort of thought about maybe they write themselves. They've thought about, you know, start writing their own book. I mean, I have, I have friends who, you know, are working on writing their own books and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I thought about writing a book myself. Like what, like what is sort of the, um, some of the key starting points for like actually successfully writing a book? Cause I mean, everybody has, you know, ideas, but like, like other than that, like what is like sort of the the successful like stages of writing a book and actually bringing that to completion? Well, yeah, I think like I said, I don't know if I'm the model writer because I don't usually make an outline beforehand. I try to, I kind of try to, and I make notes, but I often I don't really know where it's going to go until I I, I get there. <laughs> and it, you know, this one I was looking back yesterday through my notebook and. It was kind of surprising myself with like, okay, oh, I didn't write that until that point in the book. And then, oh, I moved that there, you know. So it it's sort of very amorphous when it starts out. But, I mean, I think a couple pieces of advice would just be, you know, keep writing. It's sort of like going to the gym or running. It's you, The more you do it, the better you get at it. Um, so don't just have the ideas. Like start writing and just keep writing as much as you can. And But, it, I mean, if you, you know, if you get out of the habit, just – pick it, pick yourself up off the ground and keep start start again you know like don't get discouraged if you do take a break you can always come back to it but i think the more you write the better you get at it so that's definitely one thing um even if nobody ever reads a lot of it it's fine <laughs> sure a lot of things that a lot of scenes that i wrote for this book never ended up in the final version because they were a little bit too off topic or you know it they didn't fit into the final shape but um it is still an interesting exercise and it I think it's still good good for you overall. Um, and then, yeah, keep – I think keep reading, reading good good literature. I mean it's also fun just to read enjoyable stuff, but read people that you admire their writing, and I think that really has a big influence. Like you are kind of like sponges, and so that affects the way you write as well. So I think those are a couple of things. And then, yes, maybe have somebody that you are – occasionally send your work to or somebody that's checking in on you to say are you still writing every once in a while sure. <laughs> because I think deadlines even if they're kind of soft deadlines and not like an actual publisher knocking your door down they're really helpful to just to keep you going when you don't feel like it sure um oh one other thing I forgot to ask you is like we already talked about like you know the different women of the book and sort of like uh the role of, of women in the book but uh there's there's also men in the book and like what uh like I'm curious to know, um, obviously there's uh, a lot of men in your life. I mean that in a good way. Uh, there's, there's been a lot of male influences in your life, your father, you know, uh, you know, relatives, uh, you know. Uh, and I'm curious, like, do are any of those characters, like, sort of subconsciously present in the book in any way? Um, like, in, in any sense, like, were any of the men 
in the book, like sort of reflections of, of men that you knew or that you met um, or, or not really? Were they just sort of like characters formed from, you know, your imagination? That's a good question. I think now I'm trying to think. Um, I would, I think, you know, the first two kind of leading men in the first two sections or maybe, well, the, um, Ada's first or her husband and then, um, Jean's husband, you know, they're kind of loosely shaped by the, you know, I never met either of those, the real men behind those characters, but I would say they're loosely inspired by like our great grandfather and our grandfather, but not a hundred percent. I was kind of wanting still to have the freedom to kind of modify and change things. So I didn't try too hard to make it a one-to-one and kind of used my imagination and some poetic license. Um, So that's a good question. I don't, I wouldn't say unless it's too subconscious for me to know any of them are directly Hmm. a a one-to-one with uh, real life characters um, unless they're like very minor characters in the story, but um, yeah, sure. Um, also, like uh, for for people who read your books and enjoy them, which hopefully is everyone. Like, do you uh, you, you know for people who sort of want more while they're waiting for your next book? Like, you have other other books, maybe other people you know who are authors or other or just books in general that you sort of like recommend. Like, you know, for people who want to read something similar to you, like who want to see like similar. Um, this this kind of writing, like, can you can you recommend anything or? Ooh, um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think of. I read a lot of dead people's books, so I'm trying to think of anybody, anybody that alive or still be alive. I mean, I enjoy the writing of of some of my friends, but most of them are yet to be published. Um, hmm. Let me let me have a little thought about that. Maybe we can circle back to that question. No problem at all. Um, and then uh, also uh, one thing that I forgot to ask you earlier was like the, the the book to some extent, and especially it seems like the first couple of parts are are heavily focused on um, the relationship between the the mother and the daughter, um, and that seems to be like a reoccurring theme. Um, you know, Ada has an extremely restrictive mother who holds her to you know very high unrealistic standards, or at least they seem unrealistic to us, but maybe it was the standard for that time. Um, Sort of uh, what what was that theme about? Like how how does that like um, factor into the novel? And like what uh, what was the inspiration behind that? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I should say it wasn't based on uh, my personal experience. Our mom's not like that. <laughs> but I guess you know you. See, I mean, you see people with all different kinds of upbringings, and it's not hard to imagine or to people that have had those kinds of experiences. I mean, I think I grew up. We were homeschooled, and our experience was very good, but we grew up around some people that maybe had more restrictive um, experiences in their family homes, you know, where they weren't really free to do pursue their, their own interests or there were very tight expectations around what it would be like to be a woman in that family, you know. Um, so maybe there was some of that. I think I just maybe it was trying to explain to myself why this Ada character would kind of end up acting in the way she did actually felt very kind of repressed, like in her family life, both her with her parents, especially her mom, and then with her, the husband that she sort of was like kind of not forced into the marriage, but kind of didn't have a lot of... semi-forced. Yeah, didn't have a lot of time to really find out who this guy was. And so I think, you know, she grows up feeling kind of very restricted and then meets this friend, Eve character that... um, kind of shows her, like, there are other ways to live your life, and she feels like life is too short to be kind of s- stuck in this yeah. box where you're always just kind of, like, catering to everybody else's expectations of you. Um, so I'm not advocating, you know, leaving your child with your gran- the grandparents and running away, but I just thought it was an interesting, it was an interesting idea to explore, like, yeah. what would cause a woman to want to do that, do you know? That, yeah. uh, it seems as though there's a sense in which the first part of the book um, sort of questions the institution of marriage, and then, um, and the last part of the book, and I, I could be wrong, but sort of, there's almost like a, an embrace of the institution of marriage by the end. Um, like, what was uh, what was your idea in creating that sort of contrast? Like, in terms of uh, marriage as sort of this maybe rest- uh, can be like a sort of restrictive, maybe even like oppressive institution for women at a certain time in history, 
versus marriage as something to be celebrated and embraced. Um, was that something you were like consciously trying to trying to put in there, or am I you know reading off the walls? Well, I mean, I I always think that writers don't always know what they're all the things that they're conveying in their writing. I think sometimes the readers can find things that you know the writer puts in sort of subconsciously. So. I don't know. I think I was thinking somewhat just like different, yeah, d- different looks at marriages. But I don't know that I would say I had like a, a an exact message in mind. I think personally, I always like happy endings, so I think I wanted to end on a a good note. But um, I guess the first part of the book doesn't. No, not no. really. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be a tragedy or what? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> sort of a what is it? You know, like life. It's a tragic comedy. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I think I, I mean, I personally, I, yeah, getting married, I'm a, a believer, an optimist, I guess, in the institution of marriage. And um, so, but yeah, I mean, I obviously, you know, it doesn't work for everybody for very many, many reasons. So, um, yeah, I guess I just wanted to more just like look at the contrasting ways that people, women live their lives and just, I think more just to present them rather than to kind of present a, like a, a moral per se. Sure. Hopefully in your life, you write tons and tons of books. Um, and I'm kind of curious, like at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, like sort of what do you want your legacy as a writer to be in terms of like, you know, you go through life, you write more books like this, you know, you write murder mysteries, et cetera. But like, uh, what do you want your writing to really speak into people's lives? Like what kind of themes, what kind of, uh, beliefs, what kinds of ideas are you really trying to convey to people in the course you're writing? Like, are there certain things about your own belief system, your own values that you're sort of trying to instill into your writing? Or um, is it maybe a little more complicated than that? Um, Well, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, I mean, I think my, the first thing that I want with, uh, people that are reading my book is just the kind of like that satisfied like sigh at the end when you read a good book and you're just like, oh, that was, that was great. I feel good. Not because necessarily everything goes right all the time in the book, but just like I feel like I connected with the story and I, it was, you know, there were moments of beauty in it and it moved me in some way. I think that's kind of what I'd like is, yeah, to be able to move people in like a positive direction to be like, yes, you know, life is hard and gritty and sometimes nasty but it's also beautiful and you know worth living and um kind of inspiring people like books have inspired me to like you know think about life differently and um approach it kind of more with like an open openness Mm -hmm. um so yeah and I mean I am a Christian so I think that definitely influences my writing and I do allow it to influence my writing I would say I at the same time I don't ever want to be kind of like um prioritizing sort of like a particular moral at the expense of the story. I think that's... Yeah, you don't want to be pigeonholed into like, oh, this is just... Right, and I don't think good writing comes when you start out with a moral and then try to work it into a book. I think it's better to write organically and, you know, the things that you believe will kind of come through um, almost like without you having to work so hard, you know. And I think in that case, it becomes... It's better writing than when you just sort of try to preach. (laughs) Sure. Uh, So, yeah, that's, I guess, sort of both and a little bit, you know. Sure. Um, last few questions. Uh, one question for fun. What What is your personal favorite book that you've ever read? Oh, it's so hard. It changes, I think, all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first one that came to mind right now is The Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens, which I definitely really enjoy. I also love the Harry Potter series. Um, it's really hard to pick just one. I think, uh, yeah, some, like I said, some murder mystery authors. Like, I, What do I you think about J.K. Rowling getting canceled? Oh, I no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I say I think good books can stand alone, so you don't have to. Personally, I'd say even if like people don't agree with everything, I as a sorry, I as a writer believe, hopefully they can still appreciate my books. So I think a good book doesn't need its author to kind of tell you what it means or anything. Sure. As we close, like, can you, for, for people who didn't catch the beginning maybe, um, or just to reiterate, uh, you're having a book launch later this month. Yes. Can you tell people a little bit about that and um, what to expect and sort of also like where people can can obtain the book and look for the book and that yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, I think so. Um, yes, we're having a book launch at Bird Rock Coffee Roasters in La Jolla on 
October 21st. That's a Saturday at 6 p.m. And um, which Bird Rock is it, by the way? It's, oh, the one in Bird Rock. Um, oh, okay, yeah, okay. I'm I sorry, I meant which uh, which coffee. It's the one. It's the one. In, oh, it's the one in Bird. Okay. In Bird Rock. Sorry. Yeah. There's, a, there's a few of those. <laughs> yeah, ones. there's. I think there's like four or five. Um, so yeah, that that's coming up, and I'm excited about that. People can buy the book there if they want to, and I can sign it if they want to. Um, we'll be having. I think we'll be having a Q and A, possibly with you helping to MC the event. Possibly. <laughs> cool. Um, and yeah, it should be a nice evening. We had one up in um, the Central Coast back in July, and that was a lot of fun. People could kind of, you know, mingle. They don't have to listen to me talk the whole time, but they can ask a few questions if they want. And um, so, yeah, that, that'll be coming up. And maybe we can link to the, there's a Luma event. So maybe we could link to that somehow in the show notes or something. I don't know how that works, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but people can sign up online if they want to. That's probably the best way to find all the information with, like, the address and stuff. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Oh, yeah. And then if people want to buy the book now, it's available on Amazon. You just need to Google – or, sorry, you just need to search my name and the title of the book in the search bar. Mm-hmm. It's not one of the top Mollywire, hits. California. Californian. Californian. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'll get it someday. Um well, it's been great having you on the show. Uh, we, it's funny because like when we first pr- talked about doing this, I thought like you know, like my sister on the show, like <laughs> is this really happening? Awkward. But honestly, yeah. But honestly, no. This has been a great interview. I really you know appreciate you sort of opening up about the different characters and the, the personal side of it, and also like t- talking to people about you know what they can sort of carry away in terms of inspiration for writing, for reading. Um, I, I think that there's a lot to gain from listening to someone like you in terms of, you know, what what you bring to the table as an author, as a human being. Um, so really appreciate having you on the show. And also, um, yeah, just just really, really excited to uh, promote the book um, as we keep it going for the book launch. And are you going to more book launches or is that kind of the- This is the, the only one planned for now. Maybe we'll reevaluate after I get married in November. <laughs> okay. Congratulations, by the way. Thanks. Um, but yeah, no, thanks so much for coming on. We really enjoyed your time and, uh, yeah, everybody go ahead and, and, and buy the book right now. It's, um, it's not that expensive. It's, it's like 15 bucks. On 15 bucks. Yeah. 15 bucks on Amazon. That's a bargain. <laughs> uh, and it's a great book. Fantastic book. And for people who also haven't read it, um, after the storm is her first book as well. So go ahead and read that one as well. Highly recommend them both. And thanks so much for all for coming on the show. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. That's a wrap. <laughs>